It's the return of the Paizon, the the real Paizon, Mark Savell, a most requested return guest, um, according to my DMs with Will Liu. Uh, what's going on, Mark? The Paizon Warren Buffett is back. Ciao, tutti. It's good to be back in the presence of greatness. Oh, wow. Uh, I was going to say the exact same thing. So um, for, for anyone listening for like actual banter and content, you might want to skip ahead by five to seven minutes uh, because we have to address Mark Savell's personal feud with our other close friend and fellow Paisan, Joseph Cacharo. So um, for those that haven't been caught up, here's your Monday Night Raw recap. Um, you... Uh, came on the podcast and said that you had beat Joe in a game of 21 or whatever mm. game that you guys were talking about. And and Joe came on the podcast last week and disputed that uh, vehemently and also uh, called you a fugazi, um, yeah. which felt a little personal. So I'm just going to um, you know pass the mic to you and you can address him as you wish. Yeah, I think that lines were crossed when... Um... When he came after Ancestry and he kind of brought to the forefront that I'm half Italian, a, a fact that's never been hidden from public information, I thought um, he wanted me to bring a war. So I think let's start by poking holes in his kind of reasoning. Like I admitted on the podcast, I don't have a post-secondary education. You recall me saying that, right? Yeah, we went through the whole history of you the being whole history, a butcher right. and, and then becoming a real estate agent not a mathematician or a scholar, the, the layout that he's describing the game we played, have you ever heard any game laid out like that? Like I got so confused. We started rambling about person A, person B, and it's just like the credibility just fell through. Uh, listen, man, I'm just uh, Jim Ross over here, so you're not going to rope me into this feud. So <laughs> if you believe that you know the game was fabricated like Michael Jordan's uh, poison pizza, before his flu game, uh, you you're gonna have to speak on that. I'm I'm gonna remain neutral. Okay, that's fair. That's I think that's a safe place to be because if I start going, like I told you on Twitter, I'm the alley of the airwaves. If this guy wants me to start rumbling, I'm gonna start rumbling. And like, also you no photoshopped. Also you photoshopped me onto Yokozuna yesterday, so I'm <laughs> gonna be a little careful here. Yeah. To be fair, I put you in the middle between us, so I did kind of you know put you in neutral ground. It's not like I sided you with one versus the other. Um, so, so point number one for you is that you, you feel like, you know, just the fact that the way he was describing the game that was played doesn't even feel real. Highly questionable. Highly questionable. I couldn't follow what he was saying, like person A, person B. We're a bunch of guys in the backyard playing basketball. It's not that complex. It's a game of 21. He lost. Now, you got to do your investigations. You got to talk to your people to figure out what the real story is. However... And I'm not saying video evidence, although that's something I'm keeping in my back pocket for now. It'll come out at a later time. But all I'm going to say is I put it out there flat. Like Cash is the type of guy who tells you he's going to hit you. I don't tell you. I just boom. I put it on Twitter. Let's throw down a bet. Put your hair on the line. Hair versus hair. Loser shaves it. So that's you know what, what that that is your official challenge. Uh, what did he What did he say? Oh, it's been it's been thrown down. He like the coward he is crawled up into a little ball and said oh no no i can't be 100 percent certain this hair da 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 this and that i'm like bro you had a haircut that looks like you've been in quarantine for five years like it's a do-it-yourself at home cut like there's nothing you got to lose you shave your head you shave your head who cares like it's not gonna make much of a difference right and uh yeah he shied away from it he got scared i will have to ask though 
um, since you're half Italian, again, I, I know nothing about you, even though I've known you for a decade. Um, learning mm. something new about you every time we talk. So, should I refer to you as a half Paisan, or what's the official ruling here? I'm fine with that. I mean, it's if anything, I think he should be praying to Padre Pio every day that I am only half Italian. And he, he started his podcast with this whole hybrid dual, dual Italian soccer player BS. It's like you got beat by a half Italian. How much more embarrassing is that? That if I was full, I mean, I'd be coming at you in soccer. I'd be coming at you in every category you try to dominate. I might even take a job at the score, to be honest with you, just to get more seniority than him. The top three percent are over there. Like, it's weak. His whole argument is weak. He wants to bring it, bring it, put it on the line, hair for hair. The challenge has been placed. Let's so, go. Let's so, hair, so the official challenge is hair for hair in a game of 21. Uh, I'll open it up to any sport he wishes to challenge me in. Okay. Maybe some bocce? Down. I'll even wow. play cards with him. I, like, bro, anything. I, I, I'm not confident in my half Italian ancestry and ability to smash him. Man, all this an- ancestry talk. I was hoping my podcast would be NPR, but I guess it's Jerry Springer at this point. Um, so, okay, so the challenge has been thrown down. Maybe you guys can do like five different sports, like a best of five, like golf, cards, bocce, uh, a game of 21 to, to really settle this. But don't you feel like him putting his hair on the line, he's putting more on the line than you are? Like what's, what's as valuable to you? Uh, what's the equivalent to you? Because to him, like, his hair is, like, very important, right? Right, right. Um, maybe maybe you put your real estate license up for three months. You get, you auto-suspend yourself for three months. This is I'm where really Adriana supposed- steps in and is like, please stop. <laughs> well, and speaking of Adriana, my, my uh, fiancé, she and my social media team, they definitely told me to tread carefully. They... <laughs> They did the research on Joe. They said he doesn't have much of a reputation to lose to begin with. So, you know, just by me answering him is automatically elevating the clout online and in the streets. Um, so we can't – I don't want to spend too much time bigging him up. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, he's a cousin cuddling Calabres from the south. He, he doesn't want this smoke. Like, I'm just going to leave it there. You sound very calm as you're delivering these lines. Yeah. It, maybe it's a half Italian in me. Who knows? The half Italian thing's really getting to you, eh? Yeah, just just highlighting, you know, some some cultural differences between him and I, because he's very hot headed. You know, it's very easy to poke sticks at the bear. I mean, just cool, calm, and collective. All right, so that is the the uh, official word on the feud. Then you've issued a challenge, a uh, best of five, hair versus real estate license. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm You're have to so run that nervous by my, right now. My broker of record <laughs> and explain yeah. to them why I'm not earning for the companies because, uh, well, I'm not going to lose, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, sure. Put it on the line. Okay. Three months. Like, you suspend your license for three months if you lose. Like, if I, I catch you at an open house, <laughs> like, that's a fine. Like, you're going to get fined. I'm just going to reference back to the last time I was on uh, Stephen LeBron Radio and disclose that I'm making uh, 90% less this year than in previous years. And now you're asking me to take another three-month cut to the, to the commission. Yeah, it's all in the past, man. I know you got properties. <laughs> you, can, you, can collect, you can collect from your tenants. Um, oh, God. Yeah. This is turning into the problematic episode. Yeah. Yeah, you thought last one was, but this one will. Okay, so, so that's where we stand on the feud. Well, what what else is up, man? Um, what have you been up to since we talked um, like nine days ago? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to use this platform to, uh, to launch a product, I think, uh, that I've been working on. So me and J.O. Applegate, uh, one of the many contacts you introduced me to, where we put together um, a coloring book, which is uh, pretty cool. We took like three of the most iconic buildings in the city and I got them to illustrate it. And we kind of wanted to put it as a angle towards like kids, something to do while they're in quarantine. Uh, so he added like all these different cool types of monsters kind of interacting with the building. Uh, so I just finished that last night, late last night. And hopefully this week we're going to put it up and get it out there for people to uh, spend some time on. Wow. This guy's um, using this space to promote his own product. What is wrong with this man? Where can they find um, this coloring book? Where can they find all this stuff? Hopefully on your Twitter feed, Alex's IG stories. Um, I mean, you owe me a lot, so wherever you can put the word out. But it will be on my blog, torontolivings.com. Uh, we're just working out the final layout details to get that. Yeah, shout out to torontolivings.com. My dad has a hat, and he was probably wearing it on the weekend when uh, my parents went golfing because the courses opened. They went out, yeah? Yeah, well, at least my mom. I didn't check with my dad, but I assume for sure he was the first one there my mom nice. assures me that you know there's a lot of social distancing and, and they're being safe um, which i guess i have to take her word for it i ordered her some masks so you had a tweet about masks that i want to talk about talk to me yeah yeah i think we're all going through a bit of a transition period with our opinions and comfort levels of wearing masks um i can speak pretty comfortably saying that i viewed masks as a negative thing for a long period of time as like oh what's wrong with this person why are they in public with a mask but the more i'm reading about um, the social spreading of COVID 19 it's like a mask is really one simple extremely easy way to help limit the spread of it uh so last week i went out and i said i'm gonna wear a mask at, at all outings like whenever i leave the house i'm gonna put one on um and it was awkward it was awkward wearing one i think a lot of people looked at me how i had looked at others you know like what's are you sick like why are you in here with a mask um which is kind of a backwards way of thinking because you're doing it to somewhat prevent them from catching it if you are asymptomatic and carrying COVID 19. yeah i mean it's been established that asymptomatic people have been the majority of people who have been like spreaders or super spreaders and that's the most dangerous thing about this virus is that you don't know you're sick and and that's when you're most likely to be spreading it. I, I was actually kind of surprised to hear you uh, say that, that, you know, people were judging you and looking at you that way yeah. um, because like I started going for walks like a few weeks ago and I've been wearing masks um, outside wherever I go. And to be honest, like I've been judging people who especially are still like going out in clusters and groups mm. i've been judging people who are not wearing masks like i i think i share the same sentiment as you like um before all of this like definitely there was a bit of stereotype when you see someone wearing a mask Absolutely. right like, yeah. like you just assume that they're sick and because like i'm in chinatown a lot too like you know a, a lot of chinese people do wear masks even when they are you know just have the flu and things like that and you know i yeah for sure like you can count me in as someone who used to judge but i feel like i feel like it's flipped now i honestly feel like you know obviously it's it's your own personal choice um but like if 
if you're not wearing a mask, like I, I'm judging, I judged everyone on, on, on yeah. my walks, the, the people who don't wear masks. You see, I think we all have this like fallacy that like, okay, well, we stayed home for two months, so it's over now. Like, okay, we've done our time. Let's, it's the, the weather's getting warmer. We should just be okay to get back out there. I, I don't think this is anything going away anytime soon, but I also don't think we can keep economies closed forever. So making masks the norm and a lot of retailers are now enforcing like grocery stores are saying you have you can only come in here with a mask and i think that's going to help normalize the process of wearing it and that's kind of like the way we're going to have to adapt to somewhat having a functioning economy but keeping safe while doing it Um, yeah and like and like the opening of the economy is so interesting because i feel like that's the next thing well it's already happening but that's like the next fight that's going to happen right like people are really pushing and like they they have opened up a lot of stuff especially here in toronto like um you know not just like the golf courses garden centers but i know a lot of retail retail stores are opening up this week for curbside pickup or limiting the number of customers in store and honestly to me um maybe i'm i'm too extreme but i just feel like all of this is happening way too soon especially because i don't know if you saw like we're recording on tuesday and the numbers um, are still going up here. So yesterday they had recorded 305, right? low threes. Today it's over 400. And the way I view those numbers is it takes about 7 to 14 days for the symptoms to show. So seven days ago in Toronto, it was a weekend when we had really good weather and everyone got out there. So this is you know, kind of perfectly following the pattern that they're warning us against, that as people get come together and congregate in large groups and, and kind of you know face-to-face interactions – they're going to spread it. The numbers are going to spike. And today, boom, we're right back at 400. So a week of in the threes and all of a sudden we're back. On the day, we're partially opening the economy. I don't think we can keep economies closed forever, but I think there's got to be better messaging of how we can safely open it and really start enforcing it. I think the businesses have to implement like the six feet, very, like a lot of banks and stuff like that. They've got the markers on the floor and whatnot. But this needs to be like a top-down messaging saying, okay, if you're open, this is the only way you can open. Because even if you're standing in line for curbside pickup, I was riding my bike up Young Street, um, all the like the pot shops, there's no social distancing. Everybody's one after another just staggered to get in there. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, I think, you know, I think there's enough evidence now to know that we can't just leave it to society to follow the rules and figure it out. You know, most of my walks are around the Rogers Center, the baseball stadium. And like the mm-hmm. other day I saw people uh, lining up outside Dairy Queen. First of all, why are you lining up outside Dairy Queen during a pandemic? <laughs> um, and like there was no social distancing in them waiting. And there was definitely just clusters of four or five people. A lot of a lot of younger like teenagers, mm-hmm. um, I think, are using this opportunity to like meet up and, and hang out around the mm-hmm. CN Tower and things like that. So I saw a lot of that. And people just generally, I, I just... I don't know, whatever, man. It's it's everyone's personal choice. And like we've read enough stories, especially in the U.S. and other places, about mm-hmm. how the cases are spiking up after you, you reopen. And it just feels like, I guess, here in Toronto, too, we're going to just have to have a second wave before it drives everyone back home. Yeah, which is crazy unfortunate. Um, on the topic of masks, the one thing like that kept going through my mind and I was tempted to take my mask off in every interaction just because I felt so like out of place or weird or different or whatever the, the word that you want to use is. I had to keep reminding myself, like I'm not doing this to be accepted or to be cool. I'm doing this to stay healthy and literally to like 
not spread something that could wipe out a large chunk of our population. So I guess what I'm saying is as people put the masks on and do start to feel that kind of discomfort and like social awkwardness, stay strong, man, just keep it on. It's, it's for the greater good, right? That's, that's the messaging that I think people need to know. And also like, we got to be empathetic because even though I do want to criticize people that aren't wearing it, I went through the process of trying to be becoming comfortable with wearing it. So like, I think this is a learning curve that unfortunately is going to take some time and, and the ramifications are life and death. But, you know, I think we all just need to be empathetic and, and hopefully um, the message gets spread and people become more comfortable wearing masks. Yeah. I don't think I want to judge every person for what they're doing and how they're moving mm-hmm. around during this pandemic but it's just more people on the extreme spectrums, you know, mm-hmm. like like people mm-hmm. who are just like not taking it seriously um, at all. And there's just too many stories now of people realizing too late, like after something happens to either themselves or a member of their family where they're like, oh, right. Like, I thought this was a hoax. Like, you know, yeah. I kept saying that it's a 99 percent survival rate. And it's like, no. And, and the mask thing, I, I think, is really interesting. I feel like for you, like maybe even like in a week or two like those feelings of, of feeling weird or feeling judged with the mass will just go away. Cause to be sure. honest with you, like the first time, like I was like speaking in a mask, like mm. outdoors, I was, I was surprised that people could actually hear me like, cause I'd never worn a mask before and it does feel weird when you're speaking through it. Right. Yeah. You definitely got to speak louder. Like it's, you got that muffled depending on how heavy the mask is. It, it's a bit of a learning curve and you are tempted to just pull it down or pull it below your mouth. You automatically, ruin the purpose of the mask the second you touch your face with it right like the whole concept is not to touch your face so i think there needs to be better messaging on how to wear a mask appropriately and i think the designs will change not just the the outside appearance but also like the ability to breathe and talk a lot easier i don't wear one for runs or bike rides um but i keep it in my pocket that if i do interact with someone i could kind of put one on but even that is defeating the purpose like if you're taking on and off you're not really you know so we still need education and i guess is the point but yeah uh, i mean when i'm going out i'm wearing gloves as well right now like just because i I started to notice just like um how much um different surfaces i'm like touching right um even if i'm just going to like a shopper's drug mart to pick up stuff or even in my condo like just pressing the elevator um and and opening the doors like i don't know i'm just trying to be cautious but i definitely reached a point where i just needed to to you know get outside more um, but it does worry me every time I go outside and I see just how many people are just out there, like at parks and stuff, hanging out. Yeah. It's, but yeah. It is, it is what it is. And, um, you know, I gave up on society long before, uh, a global pandemic hit. Um, <laughs> you're, but, you're uh, a trendsetter, man. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I guess. Yeah. What a trend to set, uh, giving up on society. <laughs> no, but, but the last thing about mass too, is it's going to become a fashion thing. Um, sure. just, just at least for me, um, because, you know, I am, you know, committed and I've accepted the fact that, you know, even when things are normal, whatever normal is for the next year or two years before there's a vaccine, like I'm going to be wearing a mask every time mm-hmm. I'm out. So, um, and at some point, you know, it's going to reach a point where I need to get some fits off. So, um, you know, <laughs> I've definitely been purchasing masks, like, you know, with patterns that I like, um, yeah and different things so you know face masks are going to become fashion so everybody get comfortable and uh yeah no totally and i think like even those um have shifted like my my 
feelings on masks and the designs of it, I was really like against a lot of people were like, oh, why don't you brand it with your Toronto Living stuff? Or like, do you know anyone who's doing the personal branding? I'm like, guys, I'm not trying to make an opportunity out of these masks. Like it's not the time to be kind of promoting your business in wake of a pandemic. But I think the norms very quickly are changing. And I've received 20 emails from companies offering customizations. And I think as more people kind of adapt to this being the new norm, sure, you're going to see all kinds of styles. I think um, Zara launched some design like that they're going to be selling in stores. So fashion industry has already kind of jumped on it as a, as a thing that's here to stay. So hopefully more people adapt and, you know, we can slow it down further and, and, and stop the community transmission of it. Yeah, definitely not the time to promote your businesses. But if anybody wants to embroider me a Stephen LeBron mask, um, just let me know. You know, I'm always up for business opportunities. Um, so what else is new, man? How's your Hot Wheels collection? I feel like we hinted at it last time, but didn't really talk about it. Yeah, so actually, just before we got on the podcast, my dad, uh, he got me to order him one of the exclusive RLC Hot Wheels, and it's been delayed. and He's been losing his mind. I'm like, again worldwide pandemic like have some understanding if the mail and he was a mailman in his prior you know life when he was working so he knows <laughs> how back that, they that are. makes he, it like that makes it like 10 times more hilarious that he's upset <laughs> he's snapping every day this, this stupid mailman hasn't come yet i'm like dad you were that mailman just but, just but maybe you come. know benefit of the doubt i guess he's never had to work through a pandemic so he actually doesn't know how bad it is true true Fair enough. Okay, I'll give him that. But he got his he got his Hot Wheel today. It was a limited edition Porsche. He got a low number. There was twelve thousand released. I think he got number seven forty five, something like that. So he was really happy. There was under a thousand. Uh, he messaged me, thanking me for my contribution to his collection in this one, this round. Um, I ordered. So Hot Wheels is doing a collaboration with IWC, uh, the watch brand, bigger uh, watch brands. Um, out there and they also sponsor mercedes and f1 so they did this um transport hauler with a mercedes car all branded in iwc uh so i ordered that and adriana wasn't uh extremely pleased but yeah, that came in and it looks really cool and i'm uh i'm glad i did it <laughs> what hobby do you have that adriana is pleased with mm, <laughs> that's a tough one um not yet no i don't know and i think she likes that i golf Oh yeah, do you, do you are you like a regular golfer? Yeah, I definitely in the last couple of years I've picked it up. I'm not saying I've gotten any better in those couple of years, but I'm I. Last year I golfed at least once a week. Oh, I didn't know you were like regular like that. Yeah, community courses. I just do like Scarlet or Don Valley. It's you know good good excuse to get out, kill three four hours, and work on the game because you're never a good golfer. You're always working on your golf game, right? And are you like going with clients or just friends? Like, is it a work thing for you? Uh, mix. It's never, I never really, like, your quintessential business guy on the golf course, that's not me. Like, if I'm, I'm there, we're just that. shooting the shit and having I do. Time. I do picture you as that guy. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> it's always, it's that. always business. It's always business with you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's good to get out. Like, it's, uh, when you watch golf on TV, you're like, this game's stupid and boring. Why would anyone play it? But once you're actually doing it, you realize how hard of a sport it is to, I mean, your dad's, from what I understand, mastered. He's got a couple hole-in-ones, which I've still yet to uh, pull off. But y- you kind of get addicted to the to the game very quickly. Yeah, you know, I don't want to sell my dad short by, you know, having listeners think he's some novelty act who's gotten two hole-in-ones and that's it in his life. You know, he's been working <laughs> on his game for decades because my dad retired when he was like 
45. Um, that's a nice. whole other podcast. Um, and still buys uh, PC Cola and no name cereal only. Um, which oh, that's, does it, that's, a, yeah. that's, that's a dad thing. That's just my dad will go to Metro to save <laughs> literally six cents on a can of soup. I'm like, anyways, I, yeah, different podcast. I think, I think I said this on another podcast. Like, I only drank PC Cola growing up. Like, I'm pretty sure I didn't drink Coca-Cola until, like, I drove to the casino myself for the first time when I was, like, 19. 19. Again, again, another podcast. Um, So, what was I saying, man? Oh, yeah. So, my I mean, my my dad's been golfing for, like, I don't know, I'd say, like, 15 years. And he's, and you know this, but he's a licensed golf instructor. Yeah. And he's been teaching, you know, Asians all around in toronto and grooming the next um tiger woods so and he gets such a kick out of it like during the during the summertime when the courses are open like he'll go play his 18 holes at like six in the morning have lunch take a nap and then and then he'll go meet students at like the golf dome at night to take lessons so yeah it's a it's a whole thing for him man so um I'm proud of him. And I always tell him because, like, I think when you go, there's, like, a written course that you have to take to be a golf instructor. And also you have to play, I think, like, two rounds. And you have to shoot an average of, like, an 85. Wow. And he, like, I remember the first time he actually just, like, backed out. He told me he was going to, like, go for the test. And then the next weekend when I checked up on him, he was like, oh, yeah. Like, I don't know. I just felt too much pressure. Like, he talked himself out of it. And then he Mm -hmm. he eventually got it the next year, which was good. And I always tease him. I'm like, man, like, someone like me or you who, like, golf, like, semi-regularly, like, who knows, man? Like, you know, like, we could get lucky and shoot an 85 over two days. Like, it's possible we could scam (laughs) our way into being a golf instructor. And, like, the rates are pretty lucrative. Yeah. No, I was was taking lessons, and I think I was paying about 150 for an hour lesson. Yeah, no, my I'm pretty sure my dad charges more than that. And <laughs> the the funny thing about my dad is the way he promotes his business. So he has those like those signs, those lawn signs, mm. same as like oh, the no real way. estate agents. Yeah. But he'll plant them in places that are illegal. Like there's a Costco <laughs> on Woodbine in Markham where he always plants his signs. And literally when he picks me up and, and we go for dim sum, like we used to drive by the Costco because he wanted to see whether they, whether they took the sign down or not. And every time he was like, oh, shoot, you know, I put it there yesterday. They already took it away. And yeah, you know, I was in his garage once and he literally has like 500 of these signs printed. He just plants them and just expects them to get taken away. I don't, I don't know what he's doing, but whatever Part he's of a doing, hustler, it's working. Part yeah. of a hustler. No, my dad's That's hustled why his whole. My dad's hustled his whole life, man. I know he's retired at forty-five. Think about it. In ten years, he's done his work life from where we're yeah. at in our in our that's, <laughs> careers. No, that's uh, that's a flex that I'll never be able to like top. Kudos like, to him. It's yeah. Tony, right? Yeah, it is Tony. Yeah, kudos um, to Tony. Yeah, only close friends call him Tony, so I guess you can call him Tony. I would only address him as Mr. Wong. He's gotten two hole in ones. So it'd be sacrilegious to call him anything. No, else. I just don't, I just don't want people to think my dad is some novelty act, man. He's a. They should do a documentary on him. Actually, he he did keep bugging me for a period of time when I became a writer. He's like, you should profile me. <laughs> I can do a blog post on him if it if it gives you some credit. Maybe he can take you a take you for a sponsored lesson. Do like, I think he'll, my hat? Uh, yeah, he probably needs a new hat. Like you have okay. to. He needs a new hat every season, but it'd be cool, you know. 
I I tell him that it's a it's a whole promoted opportunity. You know, all he has to do is pose in the Toronto Livings and give you a free lesson, and then you can blog about it. That's how it works. Done. It's sponsored content, bro. Done for the people, man. I'm down. I, I would um, actually mind because you know I know there's probably a bit of a language barrier, but golf really doesn't matter the language. Like literally, you, you watch how a guy stands and holds, and he could adjust your hands, and then like you know what I mean. It's it's such an interesting game where communication you think is a key part of the complexities of the actual swing it's not you know what i mean so i would be down to to actually doing a lesson with them yeah golf is all like sign language and body language like, so much of it you, you study the video exactly and and like i think my dad had a lot of hesitation too and that's why he only wanted to recruit chinese speaking mm. um students at the start but i think he's branched out since because I think over time he just realized that even though like he can't speak English as well as other people, like it, like you said, like it doesn't matter because no. you're literally just teaching them like their swings and it's just more like adjusting their bodies. Yeah. And, and it takes that outside person to see what you're doing. You can't physically see how you're swinging unless you're reviewing the videos or you have a mirror there. Um, so you need that kind of constant tweaking of it. But that's where golf gets you because you spend so much time thinking of the mechanics where everything I've learned and every time I have a good game is when you forget the mechanics and let the body do its thing. You know, you're supposed to be able to practice it enough where it just becomes second nature and you're not thinking about your hand, your opening of the club and all those other variables that comes with it. And that's, I think, like the addiction to the game where you just constantly want to not. It's like meditation, right? Like trying to find the nothing, the present moment. It's crazy. Yeah, I, lo I love that this podcast is finally um, settling into its final form, which is me sounding like a 40 year old talking about wearing masks and us breaking down the beauty of golf. Um, now, when, when this is all over, we finally need to get on the course and, you know, me, you, Cash, maybe Zito, maybe my dad, and we need to get some Michael Jordan sized bets going, you know? Oh, bring Big Willie if we're doing Michael Jordan sized bets, man. That's what I've we're been, calling been, him now, Big Willie. <laughs> Big Willie. I've been learning his his techniques to saving. I was like, man, this guy, he must have like, definitely he's banked a million dollars cash in savings. Without a doubt in my mind. You think so? Uh, I, bet, I bet six months of real estate uh, sales that he's banked. Man, he's a super saver. You hear the way he's talking. I'm like, okay, like, what's his angle here? I'm like, holy shit, this guy saves a lot of money. Why? Because he buys six chicken buns for $2 every day? And shops at Sivu Play? Oh, yeah. We, don't, we, don't, we only call it SVP. Come on, man. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry. No government yeah. names. No, we don't, we don't government name. Um, yeah, but he's VIP on the second floor of SVP for sure. Oh, shit. Yeah. But wasn't... Um, I love how we're just going to talk about Will's personal life now. Um, <laughs> you know, I, Will's one of the many uh, potential clients I've tried to introduce you to. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, you're I like a, you're like appreciate that. Lunch. I love I love when uh I love when I introduce you to people who are only rentals and you're like yeah that's cool like can you get me something more <laughs> substantial? <laughs> it's like here meet my friend Ashley. <laughs> ah, it's okay. They're good people. You got good people. <laughs> Ashley might need to figure out her lease because she's stuck here during the pandemic and I think her lease is up in All a right. few months. Well, it's a conversation we'll continue offline. Thank you, Alex. Oh, sorry. Maybe, um, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm always thinking in terms of content. Maybe we'll have her renegotiate her lease with you uh, here Ooh, live I like it. on the I podcast. I like it. Um, and and we'll, uh, that's when the podcast will reach its final form. So 
You went to Costco recently, right? How was the scene at Costco? How are my Asians doing? Scandalous. It, I, not, oh, not no, I don't want to hear that. I don't no, want to no, hear no. that. It's not Asian scandalous. I, it's people, man. Like, So we went there Saturday. We had to pick up a few things. And um, it wasn't a planned trip. I'm a very planned guy. I like to go in, go out. If I'm going to the mall, I know what I need. I get in and leave. And so this was a sporadic visit to Costco with Adriana, which already I was like, ah, oh, we're not prepared. Like, what are we here for? I don't want to dilly-daddle and walk around. And like, yeah, I don't like that. I'm a man of efficiency. So she cons me into going there. We go in and it's pandemonium. No more is it. Because I thought they were handling the process of shopping very well in weeks prior. Um, they had people lined up six feet apart. They let only so many people in. They sanitized the, the carts and you did your shopping. Everything was pretty organized. Dude, that's, that's done. <laughs> the, the economy is open. It's pandemonium. You walk right in. There's no more lineup. There's a poor guy standing there with a squirt bottle spraying down the carts. Like, not really making me feel comfortable at all with his um, plan. We get inside there. Everybody just bunched up. I must have heard at least a dozen people ask where the samples are. This is you know, pandemic. You're asking for free samples in the middle of a Costco. Um, I started to get really anxious about four minutes into it. I'm like, age, grab your stuff. Let's get out of here. And I think 15 minute total in and out. And, you know, when I went to shoppers and I think Raba is doing this too, you know how they have like the, the arrows where they're trying to guide people into yeah. different, different aisles. And then obviously there's different spots when you're lining up, they're trying to keep you social, socially distanced. How is Costco handling that? Non-existent. So it was just like another, it was just another weekend, like another Saturday at Costco. You take the masks off the people, you would know, you would see no difference between a regular Saturday and a pandemic Saturday. Were you getting a little anxious? Extremely, like through the roof, like age saw me like getting uncomfortable very quickly. And uh, she wants to do a bit more shopping. She's like, forget it. Let's go. Let's get out of here. Like, it's fine. Um, it, it's just, it did not feel comfortable in there. They had these two massive banners on either side of the store saying, keep six feet apart. I've got a photo I posted on Twitter. There was none of that, like just pandemonium. Yeah. I feel like everyone's just playing a game of chance right now. Cause there's just not enough testing and, and all of that stuff. And I don't know, man, just picturing the Costco is making me a little bit anxious. Although shout outs to the, uh, Costco ice cream cone. And their hot dog and fries, though. I iconic food items. See, I've never had that. I've never... I don't venture there, man. My parents wow. do. My mom's always like, I'll pick you up some hot dogs from Costco. I've actually... There's a lot of things I've never uh, partaken in. That's uh, like Ikea. I've never had Ikea food. Yeah, I think the Ikea food is a little bit overrated. People love okay. going, going to Ikea for like their meatballs and things like that. I think it's good. But I think it's definitely been played up too much. But... Costco food is iconic, man. And speaking of my yeah. dad and speaking of golf, like he'll pick up a hot dog and fries and bring that shit out on like the 10th hole all soggy and shit in a bag and be like, you From want some? Yeah, like he'll just put it wow. in his golf bag and like he'll just bust it out in the, in the middle of a round and I'll be like, this is disgusting. But yes, I will have Legend. the hot dog. Um, yeah, my dad, yeah, you know, I guess Will Lou is going to become my dad. Because they both have their frugal ways and you have to respect it. So I actually 
wanted you to return because last time we had talked about shows that we have been watching or shows that we've watched and you told me that the office is only one of two shows you've like ever watched yeah uh i've added a third show in quarantine uh, entourage i hated it it was <laughs> are you watching entourage <laughs> in quarantine man you're gonna get flamed for this you cannot divulge personal information like this to joe cash <laughs> please cash i'm not worried about cash man Trust talk me. to me. Talk to me about Entourage, man. What's the appeal? You like Turtle? No, I hated it. I, I, I so I've never watched The Sopranos. I, I got, I watched two episodes of The Sopranos. I'm like, this is stupid. I turned it off. Never okay, got let's, into. Sons let's of talk Anderson. about. Let's talk. Let's talk about that. What? What? Yeah. What about The Sopranos? Were you uh, not into? Was it your other half uh, speaking uh, as a half paisan? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was just like the glorification, the detail, American, and like I feel like Will reading a prepared statement on my people. Um, it was just, it was uncomfortable to watch in the sense of like non-believable. Yeah. James Gandolfi plays a great role of Tony Soprano and you know, he's sure he's the head of the mob of his family, but the whole storylines and the whole, like the duck thing, I just couldn't do it. I'm like, this is, this is foolish. Like, nah, not for me. And so entourage was the same type of thing where I'm like, what's the big appeal? Why is everyone watching it? I turned it on and within two episodes. I'm like, this is just Mark Wahlberg with too much money trying to make himself cooler through a reality, through a TV show than he really is in real life. Like that was the vibe I got from it. Like the over glorification of the characters. It was just, I don't know, didn't like it. And then it crosses over where Tony Soprano's daughter dates Turtle for a bit. That's right. Wait, so you, you started watching Entourage, but you don't like it? Is that what, I, what you're saying? Yeah, I went through the whole eight seasons just to confirm that <laughs> oh, I hated that's... it. <laughs> Okay, okay, hold on. Something's not right here. Did Adriana like fall in love with the show? Because there's no way you're watching eight seasons if you hated it. I'm, dude. I'm, I'm just uh, dedicated to something. When I'm like, I gotta see it through. I saw it through, and I'm like, yeah, no. My opinion states this is a garbage series. I, I don't like it. So that's yeah. the third thing I've watched uh, front to back. That's more commitment than most people commit to in an entire marriage. Is is all I'm saying. Not referring to anybody on this podcast. Um, but wow, okay, eight seasons of Entourage, but two episodes of The Sopranos. Maybe three. I mean, it got yeah. I don't know. I didn't. It didn't do it for me. I was like a lot of overreacting and like. I'm not saying I saw a lot of things in my life, but I saw a lot of things in my life, and like the way they're portraying so many things, it's like, come on, this is just not. This is foolish. So I, I don't know. It didn't do it for me. Um, and the fact that Cash has such a hard-on for it, I think, further kind of explains the the flakiness to his overall persona. Uh, Joey Cash, the person, is what I'm referring to here. Wow, I, I thought we were moving past that. But nope. I guess you're going off script here. Also, yeah. Mark Wahlberg like <laughs> assaulted two Vietnamese American guys back in like 1988. Um, doesn't surprise He's junked. It doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, so... And I mean, Entourage, I remember watching Entourage when it came out. Like, it was cool. It's like cotton candy, you know? Um, Short-lived? Like, no, like, it's easy to watch. Oh, like, okay. it's 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 fun when, like, um, what's the, I forgot the main character's name now. Vinny Vince? Chase? Yeah. Yeah, when Vinny's in, like, Aquaman and, like, all these, like, fictional movies. Um, I think it was cool for the time because HBO was trying to push these cool shows. You ever watch Ballers with The Rock? It's kind of similar no, to Entourage. No, I, I, it's again like no that whole format. I feel like the HBO format uh, tires quickly on me. I did like Vinyl. Did you watch Vinyl? No, I did not. 
this yeah, was this like a recent recent HBO show? Maybe three four years ago, that was really good. Um, Carnavale was the main actor. Uh, Olivia Wilde was his wife. Uh, that was really well done. And How to Make It in America, do you remember that one? Yeah, so it's funny because like I recently just put it on my list because that was a show that I never watched, and everyone tells me that I'll enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. That one was well done, and like I don't understand how that only went two seasons, and Entourage gets eight and a movie. Yeah, because how to make it in America is like what them getting into like making denim, like there's some denim, fuck yeah. boy, fuck boy vibes and shit. Yeah, yeah, lots of those. Yeah, I think they precursed fuck boy, but they were like more that hipster era. Um, but it was just well done. The storyline was actually interesting. Like the acting in Entourage, Johnny Drama, Age finds him hilarious. I'm like, this guy's, I don't know, just didn't do it for me. And even Ari, like I heard bits and parts of Entourage going through high school and whatnot. And you think like, okay, Ari's this super agent and he can negotiate anything. But then you watch the first couple of seasons, you're like, this guy's a bumbling fool. And they just kind of craft him into a super power broker towards the last four seasons. But I don't know. At his core, he just seems like a shaky uh, negotiator at best. No, Ari Gold is the Skip Bayless of agents, man. Like he <laughs> has a lot of good like catchphrases and punchlines, but he just eventually turned into a gimmick. Yeah. Like he's Skip Bayless, and, and that's it. You know, the one thing I'll recommend to you, and I don't know if you're a huge wrestling guy, um, but you know, I signed up to the WWE Network recently, and they have the entire archive of wrestling from the 90s which i grew up watching so i've been watching like monday night raw episodes starting from 1994 and then jumping to all the pay-per-views that are on there watching documentaries too there's like a 22 part documentary on the monday night wars between raw and nitro um it's been a great like nostalgic dive for me but i I don't know if you're a huge wrestling guy growing up i think we just established podcast number three um where I'm self-inviting myself, bro, I'm the biggest wrestling fanatic out there. Like me and my dad, Raw, from the age of, that was the first TV show I remember watching with my dad was wrestling. Um, I also have WWE Network. I'm watching The Undertaker uh, documentary. I think it's called... The Last Ride. Yeah, (laughs) The Last Ride. Similar to The Last Dance, The Last Ride. Loving it. I like the Stone Cold um, podcast. Like they show the actual video clips of them filming the podcast. Uh, he did one with The Undertaker as well. And tonight, Tuesday on FX, they're showing Royal Rumble. I think it's like four or five. Like it's a throwback Royal Rumble. Yeah, that's awesome. Because I've been accessing just all their videos from their website. And the archive is just ridiculous. Like I'm going back and watching when like Mankind won the WWF title on Raw. And nice. just all these iconic moments like when DX reformed with the New Age Outlaws after Mike Tyson knocked out Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania. <laughs> um, just all these childhood moments. And yeah, I've been doing a series of these wrestling uh, podcasts with Blake, but we should definitely find a reason to, to do something. Um, oh, I do the I do the best Macho Man impression. <laughs> yeah, you can save that for the next next time when you have to respond to Joe Cash again um, because this feud is just honestly never-ending. So... The thing I actually wanted to bring you on to talk about is The Office, because that's one of the shows, one of the two shows before Entourage that you watch, right? Yeah. So what was the other show besides The Office? Boardwalk Empire. Oh, yeah, you did tell me about this. Yo, it's so hilarious. I guess with your work and stuff, you're always running around too. Like, you're just not into TV shows or what? 
No, no. I actually canceled my cable maybe about a year and a half ago. Um, and I don't miss it at all. Like I got a box where I could stream certain things here, like sports and stuff like that. But in terms of like shows, like Breaking Bad, all, I've never just, I don't know, I don't have time for that. No, I respect it. Um, I don't know why I respect it, but that's um, the words that came out of my mouth. Um, so talk to me about The Office, man. Why why did it make your uh, pantheon, your podium of television shows? So shout out to my sister because she's the one who's like, you really need to watch it. I think you're going to appreciate Dwight Schrute. And he's got this dry sense of humor and this like menacing thing about him that she thought I would like. And so I sat down. And I'm like, I'm not into it. Like, just not going to do it for me. Watched one episode and I was hooked. And my sister and I became so drawn to the show that she actually structured her university classes to allow herself to be home Thursday night so we could watch The Office. So that's, when I talk about like Savelle dedication, that's that's kind of how we operate. Um, I think what's so great about The Office is that they take topical experiences that we all can relate to in an office setting and then add the, the, the foresighted twist that we've experienced. So like, for example, when Dwight has to outsell basically the internet or their online e-commerce, you know, there's so many discussions in real life of how like, oh, the internet's going to change the way we do business. And, you know, this shift to the website is going to be your big money maker. But then you realize, no, it's that person to person, face to face interaction. So as, as comedical as the office is, there's so much truth in it where it's just like, man, these guys get it. Like they, the writing is, ah, oh, I love it. Perfect. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of subtle points that they make about just how businesses operate. And I mean, the grander point is literally my favorite thing about watching every episode of The Office is pointing out the fact that nobody is doing work. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> like every episode, literally, I'm like, yeah, there's a reason why Sabre is buying you guys out and you are going out of business and and the craziest part is like you mentioned dwight like dwight and and even michael when he has to go on like sales calls they're actually really good salesmen yeah and phyllis is really good yeah like they're actually really good at their jobs did you ever watch the uh, original british office nah, the uk one i watched one episode but i was already tainted with the u.s version so i'm like ah, i can't i, I never can never connect with you know yeah it's funny because I watched that first, like when okay. it came out and, you know, I really liked the Ricky Gervais version. And when I heard that they were doing a remake, I was like, yo, there's no way this is going to be good. And, and like the first season of The Office, like they did a lot of just like straight borrowing from mm. the original office. And I was like, yo, this is trash. Um, like I didn't like the first season at all, maybe outside of the basketball episode. Um, was that first season? Wow. Yeah, that, I, that was... I think either the finale or yeah, it was like the fifth or sixth episode. So that was really early, but you know, recently, like I've gone back now and rewatched, like I've been rewatching the office and I'm almost done. Now. I'm at season nine and I went back and tried to watch the Ricky Gervais one the other day. And mm. you know, maybe I've just softened up a bit, but the, the, I definitely like the U S one a lot more. The U S one just has more heart. Whereas the British one is just very, like it's just brutal like the comedy yeah. is just mean and whereas you know with the office like it does eventually i think become more of no maybe not like a traditional sitcom but like someone like michael like he becomes very redeemable right yeah and i was watching preparing for um this illustrious podcast i was watching some some highlights from the show and like 
there's a lot of problematic material in it. Like things that wouldn't, that flew five years ago, you could not get away with today. So I can only imagine how much worse the UK version would have been, both with the sense of humor that's acceptable over there, as well as the time when it was created that I definitely, that further makes me believe I wouldn't kind of gravitate to the UK one because like, we'll get into like the good characters, I guess, shortly. But the one thing you love about Michael is, is how, um, how many qualities you can appreciate in him. And then when Packer starts coming around, you know, he really shows his character as the type of guy that even though he's trying to be friends with Packer in his heart, he still knows right from wrong. And I think that like kind of speaks to further, like, yeah, he's a joking, funny boss, but when it comes down to it, like the episode we had to negotiate with, um, Oh, what was his name? Sir Charles Minor and uh, David Wallace. Do you remember that episode when him, yeah. Pam, and Ryan start their own company? This is when this is when Idris Elba comes in, and then yeah. Michael quits and has his own office, like on another floor, which basically <laughs> is like a men's like men's like locker room, and he like redecorates yeah. <laughs> it, and 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 then he. But that's the thing. What I what I mentioned about Michael is like he lands like he steals all their clients, right? He goes out, steals all the clients. Yeah, and then gets them to buy them out. But um, and then Pam and Ryan are so stressed because they know that Michael is gonna like botch it somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, shout outs to Idris Elba too, man. Um, Yeah. He he had a good like cameo arc on that show. The thing I've always said is like I feel like nobody owned a TV character more than Steve Carell did with Michael Scott. Hundred percent. Like he, and I mean, I mean, we can talk about this and I don't know if you've watched past when, cause he leaves after season seven and mm-hmm. season eight is just horrible. I'm on season nine. Now I feel like it's a little bit better because they brought back the, the original showrunner, Greg Daniels in mm-hmm. season nine. And it seems like there's a bit more structure, even though some of the storylines are really bad. Like now they're starting to acknowledge like the documentary crew and things like that. Yeah. Cause I've never watched eight and nine before. And you know, I, I feel like if I were to do it again and to, to recommend it to anyone, it's like you can stop after uh, the episode when Michael leaves. Yeah, I, I dabbled a bit in it, but uh, was it Robert California or something? The replacement? They yeah, had, like, so James week. Spader came in, like Will Ferrell yeah. was there for a little bit. And then they promoted like Andy Bernard to boss, which I thought was like a really bad call too, because they made his character really dumb and annoying. Um, and, and I think that just speaks to like, that was like, that was the power of Steve Carell on that show. Like, even though it was such an ensemble cast and there's so many good characters, like nothing works without him. Like he dominated the show. Yeah, and I don't think the office US would have had any success. They wouldn't, I think they would have not gone past two seasons had they not casted Carell as Michael Scott. Like even to this day, I'm almost the first name that comes to mind is Michael Scott. When I'm thinking of the actor, Steve Carell, like he plays it so uh, believably that you're just like, Oh yeah, Michael Scott and 40 year old virgin. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and you like feel for him, like he's an idiot and and he's super problematic. Like I'm just thinking of all the times, like remember when like the Indian IT guy came in and he thought he was a terrorist (laughs) attack. Um, It's just like things like that. And like every meeting that he was hold uh, like prison Mike, but man, um, they really built up his character, and I think when they brought Holly in to pair yeah. up with Michael, that was perfect. And I'm just thinking, like, I just recently watched like some of his send off episodes, like when they showed the whole threat level midnight film. Um, yeah, like, Michael and, and, Yeah, and when they went to the very last uh, Dundee Awards that Mike was at, and they they sing the song to him, the the Seasons of Love remake 
to him like in the conference room and he's tearing up and like that's like steve carell tearing up you know yeah Uh, because i've been reading a lot so i've been reading this book by andy green which you should check out it's the oral history of the office um that he just recently published and there's a lot of good behind the scenes stuff and michael uh steve carell had no idea about that scene they hit that scene from him so he Mm -hmm. when he went into that conference room and they started singing that was like a genuine reaction reaction. to him yeah and like even the even the last scenes when uh like jim goes into the office to say bye to michael and tells him that he's the best boss that he ever had you kind of think about it and you're like you know what not really because like he didn't do anything and and the company was like i know they made it sound like scranton was doing better than the other branches but like michael like barely did any work but that was like john krasinski talking to steve carell right right yeah um but yeah those i mean yeah steve carell the way he owned that character, like, honestly, I'm just, like, in awe. Yeah, he's very believable, and, like, it just shows the mastery of his craft that how well he can pull off the meta characters of Steve Carell so convincingly. And even though they are, like, incredibly problematic, I'm not going to address Ping, but do you remember Ping? At the oh, Dundies? yeah, he, he, he also, yeah, he brought Ping <laughs> back at the very end. So Ping... No! <laughs> I haven't seen this Ping, Ping is his... Ping is his, how do you call this? Like his Asian alter ego? Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. (laughs) Oh, man. Every time time he does Ping, I just think about those like 1920 posters from like the Asian Exclusion Act. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, but you know what I mean, though? Yeah, yeah. But he brought it. That's the thing, man. He brought so much to that character. And it's funny. We were talking about Sopranos earlier. I don't know if you know this. So when Corell confirmed that he was leaving the show and that's a whole other story because he actually didn't want to leave but the nbc executives uh, i think um carell said that he wasn't going to come back in an in in an interview kind of offhandedly and nbc executives just got a big head and and egos got in the way and he just decided they just decided not to renew his contract so they could have actually gone on which which actually makes me really upset but when they were casting a replacement do you know who they were uh, who was in the running uh, and was almost going to take it, James Gandolfini. Wow. That would have been interesting. Yeah, I, I think... I think it would have been okay with that. I, I think it would have worked because, you know, if you look at how they brought in, like, Idris Elba and, like, Kathy Bates yeah, um, and, and even Amy Ryan to, to play the Holly role, like, some of, some of these actors obviously are from HBO shows and, and have kind of cut their teeth at, at drama shows but like I, I feel like Gandolfini would have brought like a certain like unique type of humor to the show where they could have at least kind of rebooted it with him you know what I mean and there's enough star power behind him coming off the success of Sopranos where people would have been uh glued in like even the few Will, Will Ferrell cameos that he was on episodes he was on I tuned in just because it was Will Ferrell now you put James in the mix yeah I definitely think they could have squeezed out a few more years However, though, you also think like, I don't know, man, Michael, that was his role to, to lose, like not lose. But when he stepped off the, the office, it kind of jumped the shark. You know, it, it had a, he's like the, the draw to the show as much as Dwight and Jim and the other feuding characters like add to the overall feel of it. You tune in for Michael Scott. No, for sure. And I just want to say that Will Ferrell to me is one of the most overrated guys Fair. <laughs> ever. Yeah, I I just uh, never understood. I just never understood the hype about Will Ferrell. I just don't find him to be that funny. Old school. 
didn't do it yeah. to you? No, old school's fine. Like I've watched okay. a lot of his movies, and yeah. I, I feel like he he gets hailed as like one of the funniest guys. And I don't know, maybe it's just me. It no, probably he is arced. just me. He he hit his high point. Um, like Joey Cash appearing on one podcast, it's over, it's done with. We've seen it. It's like he had his moment. Now it's time to kind of step aside. Uh, when he Holy, did like all these being... all these cheap shots, right? You have to call you out on them. Thoughts and prayers, man. Thoughts and prayers. Oh, Joey had a roller coaster of a week, man. First he's got his oral history, then he gets smashed by Savelle, takes another L on the podcast. I leave that for another time. But Will Ferrell had a lot of. Um, he took a lot of roles that I think he could have skipped, and, and oversaturation of him. Uh, kind of, I agree with you. Like, it's hard for me to watch a Will Ferrell movie today and appreciate it with the exception of old school. Everything else, Anchorman, uh, I don't know, doesn't do it for me. So let's get to our Hall of Fame characters for The Office, and then we'll get into the underrated and overrated as well. So I had three Hall of Fame characters. Uh, let's hear yours. Okay. Um, so... I think all of my Hall of Fame characters are meta characters of uh, Michael Scott. So, like, I pick, like, Prison Mike. Yep. Uh, Michael Scorn. Yep. And a lot of people remember Michael Scorn only from Threat Level Midnight, right? Like, is that where is that your recollection of it? Because he's got yeah. several times when he comes in with that name. Yeah, I, I feel like Scorn shows up before that, though, right? Like he occasionally in, shows up as Michael Scorn. So the first time I remember seeing it was in the um, improvisation episode where every improvisation is him shooting everyone. Oh, yeah. When he's at improv class and everyone hates him because he kills everyone <laughs> in every scene that he does. So he kicks the door down. I'm Detective Scorn. And that was the first time he introduces like the alter ego of his last name. But the most memorable Scorn moment for me is when he calls David Wallace and David Wallace isn't um, responding to his call, so he texts him nine one one, and he's having <laughs> oh, yeah. it, right. And so his he finally he gets in touch with someone at, at Michael at uh, David Wallace's office. It's a secretary, and she's like, "Michael, is this you?" And he's like, "No, it's Michael Scarn." <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I always get the chuckle out of me whenever I think back to that episode. Um, but of those characters, Mykonos the Greek. Do you remember Mykonos the Greek? I do remember Mykonos the Greek. <laughs> who is loosely based on Spiro the Greek, who he uses to meet women on the side, which right. follows up with my favorite uh, of, the, of the Michael Scott characters, and that's Date Mike. Date Mike, to me, I think could be its own like uh, webisode. Oh, yeah. Date, Date Mike is just wearing the beret like Michael Jordan in Paris. <laughs> the Kangol hat backwards. Yeah, he's got the Kangol hat backwards. And he's got like the giant collar, but his shirt's like a little bit unbuttoned. Yeah. But he doesn't know how to play pool. Yeah, he just knocked it right off. Yeah, no. Classic. No, the thing, so the hilarious thing. Are, yeah. No, I, I think that's genius. And and the, the hilarious thing with Michael, well, it's actually not funny, but like he was in such like toxic relationships. Like, the relationship that he was in with Jan was just, like, pure toxic. And it actually felt really bad for him. Like, that episode when they go to have the dinner party at their place. Oh, uh, <laughs> when in Rome. Yeah, and, and he has, like, that tiny-ass TV. Um, and he has a neon, like, beer sign or whatever it is, like, just hanging. That's his yeah. light in the kitchen. Um, his bed at the end of uh, Jan's bed, like, a little <laughs> foot, foot rest. Yeah, where he just rolls off. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but yeah, you know, my characters, you know, I I was gonna give it to to Michael, Dwight. I think Dwight is an all time character. Um, one of the things I wanted to do rewatching the show was to just write down every single thing that Dwight would say about his life. Just every so fact I could like him? Yeah, every fact about him because everything about him is just ridiculous. And you know, I don't know if you agree with me, but I feel like Jim and Pam obviously are important to the show, but yeah. I never viewed them as like the best characters and I feel like their utility really fell off after like the first four or five seasons. I think, yeah, inclusive of them as a couple, that annoyed me. Like, it's like enough. Like, I'm not looking for a rom-com. Like, give me the, the sharp-witted, clever humor. But them as individual characters, I think, is pivotal to the show. Uh, Jim and Dwight's feuding, uh, Pam, and even her relationship with Michael and kind of like the, the confidant and how he builds her up from receptionist to uh, sales rep. I like those storylines, but the whole Pam and Jim thing got tired quick, like enough. Yeah, so my third Hall of Fame character, I'm actually going to give it to Creed because Creed. Yeah, yeah, because Creed, you know, as I feel like they used Creed properly throughout the entire series. They they never really featured him and just gave us bits and pieces of him and yeah. he honestly cracks me up the most uh, out of all the other side characters. Yeah, he's like obliviously inserted into every episode. And if you took his scenes out, it wouldn't take or take away from it. But putting it in definitely adds to it. That, that's the value of Creed. Like, remember Creed's blog, which is yeah. a, WordPress, a, a WordPress. Creed's blog, which I believe is still <laughs> online. I used to read Creed's blogs, Creed's <laughs> thoughts. Um, I follow Creed Bratton, the actual Creed Bratton on Instagram. Because, you know, he's still touring and, and making music. He, he sounds like he's really lived the life. So that's going to be my third Hall of Fame character. Let's get to underrated Good characters. Choice, yeah. Who do you have for underrated? Uh, Kevin Malone, man. He's he's on my list, too. Kevin Malone is so underrated. Oh, man. So here's the brilliance of The Office. Not only was it a sitcom that was on once a week, but they did so much... Like, they understood where TV was going. And I don't know if you watched any of the webisodes, but they have Malone's Cones, which is one of the greatest office uh, subgenres that's ever come out. And he essentially is trying... Have you seen it? Malone's Cones? No. Is, is, is that the webisodes with the accountants, or is, that, is this a separate thing? Separate. The accountants is a series of webisodes in itself. This yeah, is, no. Uh, I've, I've never watched it, so you got to tell me about it. Yeah, he gets into trouble <laughs> with a bookie and he needs, I think, some like $50,000. So he comes up with the idea of getting a small business loan to pay off his bookie. And he essentially has to sell himself as an ice cream entrepreneur. My favorite, thing about, my favorite thing about Kevin is he always thinks that everyone else is the dumb person in the office. <laughs> <laughs> He's like three steps above everyone in his head and yeah. how clever he is. Yeah. Like, I feel like his character could have been just, like, a one-note character. But mm -hmm. they still fleshed him out, like, with his... Like, you talked about, like, he has a huge gambling problem. Like, he has a bigger gambling problem than Michael Jordan. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and he's, like, and he's like in a band, um, yeah. Scrantonicity, and then they broke up, and they're and he's in, like, Scrantonicity 2. <laughs> Singing rock band. <laughs> and, I, and I love... Um, I love when uh, they have the poker night. And he has his like glasses on, <laughs> and he's like ready to play like five card stud. <laughs> he's just this, he just takes life so seriously. Like he's a cancer survivor, or he had a cancer scare, and, and you know fought that as well. Like he's had a complex, 
short-lived life. And did he ever have a girlfriend? I think he did. He did for a while. Remember, I, I think it was someone from the, from the warehouse or a company that was in the same building. She right. was this really shy girl. And I actually don't know what happened. They kind of just wrote that storyline off and just said they broke <laughs> up. I thought that was actually kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's definitely one of my underrated. Um, I have Andy Bernard. I think the Nard Dog, he can be an annoying at times, but he's he's so pivotal to like giving Dwight someone else to feud with. And I think the gym storyline can only go so far. And as they transition to him and, and Pam, Bernard made the perfect kind of segue to, because they're of equal intelligence or the way they kind of go about their, their uh, banters that I thought the two of them, like Bernard, definitely an unsung hero. See, I think Andy Bernard is like the most polarizing character on the show. Cause when he first came in, I think you're supposed to hate him. Because yeah. he moves over from like the Sanford ban- branch, and he's kind of an outsider, and he's beefing with Dwight. Like I thought, him and Dwight had a lot of great scenes together. Yeah, and you know the the one where he like punches the wall because because Jim hides <laughs> his phone um, on the wall, and he has to go to anger management, and then he comes back, and I feel like he has a really good run, and I really did like his character in the middle seasons. But I don't know if you've watched the last two seasons when he becomes boss like they just completely destroy his character to the point where like he's just an idiot okay see that would, yeah it's better i don't watch him that would annoy me i'd probably punch a wall i don't like when they do that to characters like he was so pure in his like privileged life and and him adapting to office culture that for him to take on the role of the boss just the sound of it i haven't seen any of those episodes nah i don't think i'd appreciate it yeah so i think if you're just talking in the context of like the first seven seasons i can definitely see Andy Bernard being there. Do you have anyone else on your underrated list? Yeah, uh, Sir Charles Minor, uh, Idris Elba. I think he introduced a dynamic that challenged Jim because Jim was always like the the cool guy who had the last laugh, and you, you kind of knock him right off of the the plateau the second he comes in. Like there's a scene where um, Jim's wearing the tuxedo, and oh and- yeah, because he was playing a <laughs> prank on Dwight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or he like decided he was gonna dress up that day and and every time like charles minor would just not have would just not be in on any of jim's jokes <laughs> right which which was like um the kryptonite to jim right it was it was jim's weakness that he couldn't get past because jim you know was like the, the sly clever guy who pulled everything off but yeah i think he's underrated he could have gone for a couple more seasons um i think he got fired with uh david wallace and i'm yeah. not sure if it's part of the saber takeover or just yeah because the last time he was I, I think it was at that volleyball game that they had when Michael and Holly accidentally tell the Buffalo branch that they're shutting down. Um, but yeah, it's always nice seeing Jim shook because he always seems like he's ahead of everybody, like especially like when he's like playing pranks with Dwight. And the few episodes where Jim's actually shook is, is, is really hilarious. Like I remember there was one Christmas episode where they just got into this. It's kind of like the feud that you have with Joe right now where – Jim and Dwight are just like having snowball fights and, and and Dwight will just not stop hitting him with snowballs. And at one point, like I swear, Jim is like actually bleeding and <laughs> I, I'm like, this is getting a little bit out of hand. Um, Podcast four. Yeah. So two other people I have on my underrated list are Daryl and Phyllis. Yeah. So Daryl was a tough one for me. I wanted him to go on there. Let's hear why, uh, why you put him there. I think he's well, such a key role. Yeah, yeah I, I just think 
you know, the way Craig Robinson just delivers his lines and how deadpan he is and his whole dynamic with Michael too, right? Like he just, mm-hmm. I think him and Michael is kind of like a version of Jim and Dwight where yeah. D- Daryl knows where Michael is coming from, but he can't help but like just play pranks on him. Um, long, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and everything like Michael says to him, like Daryl will reply like really deadpan and serious, but also be messing around with him at the same time. And yeah. I thought it was great that when they bumped him up from the warehouse yeah. to the office as well. It's just one of those characters, again, that I think they showed us just enough. Uh, Phyllis, I think, is low-key underrated just because she's probably like the meanest person and the most blunt person in the office. Like, yeah. she'll just offhandedly just, like, make any comments about, like, Pam or Jim or anyone. Um, and I, I think her delivery is great. And, and remember when they went on, like, a double date, like, her and Bob Vance with Jim and Pam, and, like, they just went to the washroom and had sex? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the whole storyline of her and Angela is extremely underrated. Like, the beat they had over the party planning committee and how, like, she finally catches Angela uh, messing around with Dwight and holds it over her for, like, an entire season. Yeah, she got a little bit too mean-spirited with that. At one point, I started rooting for Angela, to be honest. (laughs) But, yeah, no, I have Daryl, Phyllis, and Kevin. I I feel like the underrated category is hard, man. Like, you could honestly pick a bunch of people. Yeah, and kudos to the writing. It's just so diverse that they give everyone enough of a storyline where you want to know more, but they don't, for the most part, overdo it, at least for the first eight seasons with them. Uh, I would put Karen Filippelli. Uh, on that kind of list as well it kind of borderline gets there um rashida jones she she was underrated she, i wish she was more in it uh they they kind of just killed her off or not killed her off but like wrote her off of the show i think she had she she had a boyfriend or something like that she got married yeah she ended up getting married and then she makes a i guess a throwback a cameo. cameo in in threat yeah. level midnight um yeah the rashida jones character was good too because i think they were supposed to introduce karen and usually a a show will just try to make you hate her because she's in the way of like jim and pam getting together right Mm -hmm. but i mean if you think about it like jim might be better off if if he just stayed with karen um and like you came to like like the character as well and i think that just speaks to the strength of the show like i honestly think i could come up with like another 10 underrated characters so let's go to overrated characters to wrap up um, you know, I called it overrated or, or just trash characters. Who do you have on this list? Ryan. Yeah, you know what? I was gonna put Ryan on here too. I don't know what it is with Ryan, and I know he's meant to be annoying, but he like actually annoyed me. Yeah, he he was that guy in the office in real life. You're just like, dude, stop talking. Like, uh, and they did well by Woof when he had his his uh, social social media network. Woof, I thought that was decent work for him but the whole storyline i don't know yeah definitely overrated yeah and I, I think the thing why you might have him on this list too is like ryan reminds me of a lot of actual people that i know that i used to work with in offices yeah he, and he plays the part well because you have so much hate for him but it's just an annoying overrated character that if he was out of the yeah but you kind of need a minute though right he, he gives you that conflict yeah you know i i go back and forth on him like i, I really despise his character but then i realized that's what i'm supposed to be right. feeling about him um who else do you have on your list uh gabe i dislike yeah, gabe, gabe, gabe was my number one bro i yo gabe was the worst character first of all this man would pop up out of nowhere all the time like he was either in the office or not 
Like, yeah. um, and like, I know he spent half his time in Florida. Remember he split his time. <laughs> it was like Monday, Tuesday in Scranton and then he flies back to Florida and he was just like, overall, just like really creepy. And his voice did it for me. His voice, that creepy, you know, like, yeah, yeah. No, like he's on the list for like all time worst characters. So I actually have Gabe and I feel like these two might be a little bit controversial, but I put Meredith and Oscar. Ooh, no, I got a soft spot for Oscar. I think he played his part well, but what's your reasoning for overrated? Actually, you know, I, I didn't know that you hadn't watched the, the last few seasons because they kind of ruin Oscar's character a little bit, I feel like. Because okay. he, he ends up getting into the storyline where, so Angela's married to a senator, but the senator is gay. Okay, I saw and, that. Yeah, and, and Oscar actually gets into an affair with okay. the senator. And it, it kind of just, I feel like, cheapens his character a little like they took him down the wrong path and with meredith i mean i get good laughs out of her but she's like the most one note character on the show like her yeah, whole her whole thing is just i am i am drunk and my life is destructive yeah spiraling out of control and they keep playing that i agreed yeah um i'm surprised you didn't say toby flanderson i like toby a lot man <laughs> she told okay yeah you know Toby's a Joey Cash in my life. You know, Joe needs to go to Costa Rica for like three months and just, until yeah, this all dies down. But he's, I think another character could have played him better. Maybe the character of Toby Flanderson is important, but the actor, Paul, uh, I don't know. It, maybe it's the Ryan syndrome. Like he's supposed to get under my skin and he does it so well. Yeah, shout out to Paul Lieberstein, man. He was a writer and then became a showrunner on the show and huh. acting as well. But, I don't know. I always enjoyed the Michael Toby dynamic. And the thing with, with Toby for me is just that he's just so pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> like like when he has a crush on Pam, like this man literally put remember he put his hand on like um on like Pam's leg and then and then just declared to the office that I'm going to Costa Rica and then he gets into this whole accident where he's like strung up in the hospital. Um, Didn't he climb over the fence? Yeah, 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 because he couldn't get out, so he just left. He's like, okay, guys, I'm going to go now because he was so embarrassed. This man, like, literally quit his job, which I respect. Um, And and honorable mentions for me, like, I just wanted to shout out, I I think Angela is a really good character. Um, Agreed. Especially because I listen to her podcasts. Um, So so Angela Kinsey and Jenna Fisher, who plays Pam, they have an Office Ladies podcast where they've been recapping every single Office episode from the very nice. beginning and they've been getting like guests on like creed and like john krasinski and yeah, i actually recommend it to anybody who's a huge fan of the office including you um and the other character i want to give a shout out to is stanley uh i think stanley is another character that like i think everyone knows a stanley in real life because he's like the definition of just clocking in and <laughs> clocking out and i respect that mentality a lot just collecting a paycheck, kind of low-key, getting through every day. Yeah, I know. I appreciate that. Um, did you know the real estate agent, Michael Scott's real estate agent, do you know the the, the connection? Yeah, Steve Nancy. Carell. Nancy Carell. That's, uh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Steve's wife. Yeah. No, trust me, man. Um, when I get into a show, um, I get very behind the scenes and find out about everything. Also, if you read the oral history book by Andy Green, it talks about, too, how everyone on the set hated James Spader when he came. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I. Well, maybe hate is a strong word, but basically it's implied that he was a lot more difficult to work with than Steve Carell. 
who everybody loves. And, I can totally see that. And I think, and you know what? It's funny because, I mean, you didn't watch season eight, but I had no idea what they wanted to do with that Robert California character. And the way they wrote James Spader's character was just really weird. So in the book, it talks about how he would always pull the writers aside and ask them like, oh, like, what does this actually mean? Like, where's my character going? So they would wow. spend a lot of time, whereas other people would just come in and read their lines. Um, but yeah, like I, I thought him them bringing him in as full-time and moving Andy Bernard to boss like really killed the show like they had a chance when Michael left to really just kind of reboot and reset it a little and they just turned Andy Bernard into like a mini Michael Scott and it just like doesn't hit the same Jordan and Washington man (laughs) oh wow um no that's a that's a very apt comparison actually I would call the last two seasons the the Cavs after LeBron leaves (laughs) Uh, I think that's that bad, eh? Yeah, I think so, that's the level yeah. we're at. Is the final episode when Dwight marries Angela? Yeah, so I actually haven't gotten to the final episode yet, but because I finished okay. reading the Office book, I spoiled the whole everything for myself, anyways. So okay. yeah, the, the the final episode is when they, they and and then I mean this is not a spoiler. Like Steve Carell makes a very like brief cameo. And, and yeah, and that so that's one of the episodes that really stayed. Like obviously, I didn't realize it was the finale. I remember there was a finale, but that was uh, that's a really good episode where you see Dwight, Michael, and um, Jim. I think all break character and really show true emotions. Um, you gotta watch it. Yeah, the last. Yeah, there's a very good scene there with Michael Scott. Yeah, no, I can't wait to like. I'm actually excited to get to the finale just to wrap it up. I feel like the show at least has a little bit of energy in season nine, and it's. It's crazy to me because I'm sure you know, like this is like the number one most watched show on Netflix. Uh, really? Across like a lot of different metrics. Yeah, like it's gotten a lot of buzz with probably a younger audience who's discovering the show. And I get it. It's a very, it's a very easy show to binge. Yeah, but you know what's funny? A lot of people I talk to when I try to make an office reference haven't seen the show. And I'm like, I always thought that it was a bit of a fringe show and that maybe it wasn't. Um... I want to say it's popular Seinfeld, but like a more watched shows. That's interesting that it is one of the most streamed shows on Netflix. Cause a lot of people I talk to, they're like, uh, dabbled in it. Couldn't really do it. You know, I think you need to have a, a little bit of a dry humor to really appreciate some of the, the quick witted responses that Michael shoots out and like all those type of variables in the show. And I honestly think it helps if you've worked in the office or if you've been in business before, cause like you yeah. were mentioning at the very start, like I feel like you do appreciate the show on like, several levels that way when you could relate to it yeah and and i think one underrated thing about the show that i want to just maybe end with is how you know as a kid you get hooked to the simpsons and i don't know about you but for me it was what bart would write on the chalkboard and the when homer runs through the garage like how they would start uh, or finish the opening intro and the office is kind of like the adult version of that where every intro is different so you're almost drawn in just to see what's that gonna be like that's a little mini episode in itself of of uh of draw do you ever feel like that no I, i'm totally with you you're talking about like kind of the cold open scenes because yeah. there's always like some kind of prank or, or something ridiculous going on like remember when michael scott like uh, uh burnt his foot on a george foreman grill <laughs> and dwight has to go rescue him because <laughs> he likes the smell of bacon yeah dwight has to go rescue him and then dwight gets a concussion because yeah. uh, he no, like drives time, the car too fast <laughs> all-time favorite is um fire safety with dwight 
oh my god is this when he like yeah this is when like the whole office is like on fire like or he sets a fire in a garbage can right because they didn't take him seriously so and then angela throws and then angela throws the cat up and it just lands back <laughs> bandit um, it's funny because i was reading that reading about the episode so i didn't realize that was a super bowl sunday episode oh that makes perfect sense yeah, yeah. because because in the book they talk about it a little bit and they they want to specifically with that opening scene like they wanted to make sure they hook in new audiences because this was like the biggest platform that they were going to be on. So they needed something really outrageous, which makes sense after the fact, because when I was watching it, I was like, man, Dwight's really taking this a little bit too far (laughs) with the firecrackers. And Andy's like, Oh my God, the fire's shooting back at us. (laughs) And and the funniest part is that was like only like strike one of the episode for him. (laughs) Oh yeah. He like, he like has to go back to David Wallace's office like three times in that episode. (laughs) <laughs> he they're doing the cpr on the dummy and uh, oh my god yeah yeah because like, they have to bring because they have to bring a person in right <laughs> for training because stanley has a heart attack as a result of dwight's fire safety course <laughs> yeah and, and then michael realizes that stanley's heart rate only peaks when he's walking by him <laughs> no that's what i'm saying man like and I'm remembering these scenes, and probably because I'm I'm rewatching it more recently. But there's very few shows that I just like remember, like episodes and, and scenes like that. And you know, I I wouldn't compare it to Seinfeld, but I do see the sim- similarities in terms of how much like reference material you can pull from it's it. And, yeah. yeah, and and I do feel like with Netflix now that there's a whole new generation that's picking up on this. So so I think the show is gonna have. Uh, a really good legacy all right i'm out of social energy do you have anything else to add to the office or your life or, or joseph Cacharo in general uh joseph Cacharo thoughts and prayers and uh let's let's end it on a high note yeah you don't have any you don't have any songs uh hidden songs of mine that you, you want to play this week no but i will say this uh if you are a true office fan look up little wayne hustlers music with the office theme and it's a it's a mashup where they do the office theme as the beat and hustler music lyrics it is magical okay i'm actually looking forward to that because i have never heard about that my recommendation for the office is just to look up office bloopers on youtube um all of the outcuts and bloopers are really fun to watch and i definitely went down a rabbit hole the other day all right another 90 minutes with Jesus. the paizan warren buffett and you know the toronto living's king so you got to come back mark we got to complete the trilogy yeah wrestling man let me do my macho man that's that's my only thing i got really my only one skill all right so we'll get joseph cacharo's response and then you'll be back on and the only people that will be listening by then will be the three of us oh yeah brother